Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of Down podcast episode one fifty five. What's up, bro? Dude, I'm happy. Yeah, feeling guilty. <laughs> I just, I to to be able to see that dude stand up, put his hands behind his back, get cuffed, and walked out of there like a freaking criminal uh, that he was. Um, I just, I. I didn't think I was going to see that, you know? And and when they're like, you know, guilty on all verdicts and then, you know, uh, they're like, no bail, you know, put them, <laughs> put them away. I was like, oh, they're going to do it. It's going to, and sure enough, dude, he stands up, Derek Chauvin, hands behind the back, cuffed and walked back into uh, incarceration. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, um, Honestly, now the, the, the most, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're, you're I was say. just saying that honestly, uh, you know, it, it, I'll tell you right now today, this morning I woke up, I, I was like, ah, oh, dude, this guy's not going to get this guy's. I was thinking this guy's not going to, you know, you know, it's going to, I was, again. I was on watching waiting, you know what yeah. I mean? They're like, I, mean, oh, I should be in about half an hour. I'm like, okay. I and half hour came and went and it was like, okay, come on. What's, what is it? Come on. <laughs> Well, I remember when Rodney King happened, man, when I was a kid, man. I remember, you know. You know That's and, what I was ready for, dude. Yeah. No, I mean, I, the thing is. I was like, like hey, hey, kids. <laughs> hey, they, you know, come here. You, you think, uh, you know, you think the pandemic's something. <laughs> Let me show you some videos of Rodney King Get ready for what's about to happen. Okay, kids? Yeah. And that, My you know, year old twins, you know. Oh, but, wow. Man, you, okay, okay. That's good. That's good. You, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, like, it's semi- Progress, the thing about think, being me, you know? you know, getting ready to prepare them for that. Yeah, you know? no, you're right. Like, you're... I yes, slept real good last night. <laughs> uh, but you know, here, here's the thing, man. Like, I, I like I said, I woke up this morning. I, I, you know, just given the the experience I've had with all the names that we've ever like heard, you know what I mean? From Eric Gardner to you, you know, it just a, a, any of these guys, man. It just all reminded me of all those cases. And uh, how bad I felt for all these people, man. So, you know, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, today's the day, man. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm pretty sure. Today could have been a, uh, a huge step in the wrong direction. Or it could have been at least one step in the right direction. Yeah. And luckily, it was one step in the right direction. You know, and um, 
Well, here's the thing, man. I woke up today. Today is my fucking holiday, right? You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fucking It is boring. April 20th, yeah. <laughs> right, what so. What episode is this? <laughs> it's 154. Uh, 155. 155, yeah. 155. Yeah, okay. sorry. And then uh, I was just like, <laughs> you know, doing my uh, uh, celebrations, as, as you know, <laughs> right? And then I was thinking like, man, dude, like, this is going to kind of like, bum me out today man you know so I know, right of all so, days i was i was thinking that too i'm like man there's gonna be a lot of a lot of people smoking even more <laughs> if, <laughs> if this does not go well you know it's gonna be like oh man yeah man but you know what dude today I, I, i'm just lucky i'm just happy that that'll happen and uh, at least that's a little bit of progress you know like again i don't know if that's justice because it's like uh, well no here's the thing they're saying that um at least from the different outlets that I listen to, they're thinking it's going to be, you know, he might get about 12 years, basically. Mm -hmm. I see. You know, maybe eight, maybe 12. Um, And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of writing when that comes out, you know, because what's the right number for that? You know? Yeah, yeah. There is no right number. But it's unprecedented that, you know, he's been, somebody's been like, guilty on all counts right that's just never happened man before in terms of uh um these trials you know what i mean so i don't know dude luckily luckily the evidence was there man luckily people were filming you know that's that the the, the difference in what you know used to happen and what is happening and what is going to happen is the fact that everybody has got a cell phone a tattleteller basically a little tattleteller that they can just sit there and film you. And that is the only reason why um, this case worked, I think. Yeah, I agree. Can you imagine trying to, uh, you know, push this case through without the video evidence? Yeah, man, exactly. You know, I mean, Rodney King, we had some video evidence, but it was dark and, and it was like, you know, really hard to tell, you know, so. But Dude, let's bring in our guests. Do oh, yeah, thinks. man. Dude, I, I'm really excited today because on a special 420 Dude, episode, uh, you know, we have the man OG Chino, man. He's a legend, a legend, an OG graffiti writer, man. And, uh, you know, he, he was at our little event, our get together. So we're real happy to have him. I'm going to go ahead and let him in. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. To the song playing on the radio. Welcome, OG Chino. There we go. Yeah. Hell yeah. That was nice and smooth. First of all, OG, happy 420, man. Happy 420 to you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I, you know, I'm nice and toasty today, man. And, you know, we were just basically just discussing before we let you in the uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, George Floyd trial, man. So we wanted to go ahead and, you know, ask your opinion right off the bat. Like, how did you feel about First the First whole... of all, uh, let me say thank yep. you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you on. Um, oh, man, and, on. you thank know, you. Uh, you know, so yeah, I'm sorry, James. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, before we jump into, uh, the, uh, you know, the background of your, your artwork and your personality and all your music, man, I just wanted to just get this out of the way, you know what I mean? 420 and also the uh, Derek Chauvin case, man. So let us know, you know, let the audience know a little bit about your thoughts, man, you know. Very historic day today. I've been watching the news all day today, you know what I mean? Just just the reactions that people have and and everything. Um, you know, it, 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 it's... 
it's a good day, like for for the people that have been fucked over for so long, uh, uh, finally getting justice. Um, maybe all the all the noise that's been made in the recent years is is finally, uh, you know, taking taking some kind of effect. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's it's you know it, it's sad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sad because you know it, you know the cop dude fucked up, you know, fucked up in a bad way where he really just threw his fucking life away. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree, man. I mean, yeah. I, he let his emotions get the best of him, I believe, from exactly. what I've heard, there was some personal stuff and he just let his emotions get the best of him. He should have eased up. He should have stepped off when people started telling him. Tell me, uh, uh, Chino, um, do you think this case would have been this clear cut if they didn't have video like everyone taking videos of this oh no hell no no i don't right think no not at all not at all you know if you i was just saying that if it was just the body camera footage okay yeah. just you know what i was watching in the closing arguments just the body camera footage from all the cops actually and you know he was yelling that he couldn't breathe before he even got on the floor, actually, when they were trying to put him inside the um, the car already, you know what I mean? And I'm just saying, if we just had those footage, who knows how we could have gotten that spun, you know, if we didn't have all these people viewing him putting his uh, knee on his neck for 10 minutes, you know, so. Um, Nine minutes, 26 seconds. Yeah. That's why, uh, you know, I was like, I really was like, hype about watching the trial, you know what I mean? Because I was like, what's the defense gonna say like what what is the defense you know what i mean for that you know what I mean? <laughs> he died of a fentanyl overdose i can't believe that was the defense man i was like yeah. watching the trial I, I, I was like wow it's like there was no case you know what i mean there was yeah. no case. you know what i'm saying they were trying to come up with whatever but nothing was making sense because there was no defense for what he did you know yeah yeah no absolutely and, not. you know you know so OG Chino, I know, you know, you're from Los Angeles area, man, right? And then, so, do you remember the Rodney King case, man? How, uh, you, you know, this exact same scenario, not exactly the same, but very similar, you know, and then the, the, the verdict was not guilty on all, uh, you know, on all those accounts. Do you yeah. remember back in 1992, man? Yeah, I remember that very, very clearly, man. It was yesterday, you know what I mean? Uh, everybody was waiting, uh, to hear to hear what happened and uh the outcome and yeah the city exploded you know yeah right so, after right it was like literally they announced it and the boom moment, the moment it was announced people hit the streets you know what yeah, were you man. doing at that time in 92 like where, where were you uh, living here in la or what was going yeah, on yeah i was living in la um i had just shut down a, a, a my own record store so i was kind of bummed out about that but I, I had a job i was working like at a used cd store stocking cds <laughs> <laughs> hey i've had that job too actually but, okay so, i was so, at work when the rotten when the verdict came in you know? <laughs> okay <laughs> well okay you know what uh we we're, are you from what, what area of la we jump from? all over the place so you know yeah. we just we're gonna make oh, it a little yeah, dizzy I mean, here at some point let's start from the beginning where where were you originally born korea Korea. Oh, okay. Yeah, what Korea. part of Korea? Uh, Seoul, Korea, the capital. Nice, nice. And, um, wow. 
Well, who are you putting Vice in on for the audience? <laughs> <laughs> no, my well, eyes are just killing me. You know. <laughs> you like to look pretty for the, you know, for the girls and everything. No, you know, you know what? A lot, a large, a large portion of the audience just listens to this podcast, and you guys just sold me out, man. Come wow. on, man. <laughs> I thought I could be quiet and do put in my visine eye drops on 420, man. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, okay. No, I'm putting. <laughs> but anyways, okay. So you uh, you're born in Seoul, man, and then uh, how long were you in Seoul? Oh man, like a year and a half. Okay, oh, okay. Okay, okay. I was a baby when we moved to Colombia to Bogota. Oh shit. Bogota. Oh, dude, I've actually been to Bogota, actually, man. Uh, oh, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I, w- I went there uh, for um, some travels for work, you know. And uh, it, very what interesting city, yeah. What do Colombian people look like? I'm not really, I mean. I mean... Oh, it's a, it's a Latino country. Yeah, Latino, man, you know. A lot okay. of indigenous, also, ba- also African, uh, you know, background. So it, it's a lot of. A, a lot it's of a mixture. Yeah, but it, it, it's a Latin American country. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so uh, your family moved to uh, Bogota, and then um, what age? How long did you stay there for? Till I was uh, ten. Oh shit! Okay, so you okay. had a good chunk of childhood actually there. Okay, so by that time, were you uh, were you starting to get into art? By that time, when did you start art, getting into art? Drawing. I was drawing for as long as I could remember. You know, for as long as I have memories. You know. Hold on, hold on. Actually, I, I'm I'm very curious because like. Is there a reason why your family uh, moved to Bogota from Seoul? Because like, yeah, uh, is that uh, common? My, my dad at the time was a diplomat, so he was working uh, Whoa. Uh, for the Korean embassy. Well, there was oh. no there was no Korean embassy in Colombia, so him and a couple of other people went and actually set up the Colombian embassy. This is a, a very this is a very turmoil time in Colombia, then basically, right? <laughs> he went there in nineteen sixty-seven, basically. He got my mom pregnant, and then he left first. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, we caught up with him later. So I was already, uh, uh, actually, like, yeah, I must have been almost two, because I was already saying some words when I got to Colombia. Uh, you know, like my dad was already, see, see, you know, he, he, he saw me speaking words already by the time he saw me. So how was it like an Asian person growing up in a Latin American country, man? Oh, man, I mean, I definitely stood out uh, <laughs> and they made sure i knew i stood out you couldn't go anywhere without getting made fun of you know yeah and then oh man as soon as you step out the house um you know people are stretching their eyes at you like japanese wow, jeez. you know but uh at that time it was like colombia in the 60s man there was no asians you know it's like yeah it, it was a very rare thing to see an Asian, on the, on, you know, in person. So it's not like, we didn't even take it, like, offensively. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We took it like, wow, I never seen an Asian, like, you know. And They're curious. That's yeah. just how these people act towards us. Okay, that's how they are, right? <laughs> Whereas nowadays, oh, my God. The kids that made fun of us or whatever, you know, became our friends and best friends. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a... Malicious, real- right? It was... It's just like, yeah, you, make, you, get, you get made fun of when you look different, you know, and that's, the, that's how it should be. People can't take that shit no more. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Now, no, you know, it's, flash, yeah. uh, flash forward right quick, because uh, that's just how we do it. Um, recently, uh, have you been experiencing anyone giving you a hard time since, you know, with all the, the COVID and everything and, oh, and all the, the recent? Oh, man, not at all. 
Um, good, I'm, good. I'm, I'm glad. So even though one of the major incidents that's was on the news and everything happened right there on the corner, like, you know, where my business is at. But uh, me, myself, no. I mean, I, a lot of love from the neighbors and community here, you know? Yeah. Well, you're an artist that does amazing work. You know what I mean? There's, there's no reason to give someone like you a hard time at all. I think that was a rare moment in Koreatown, if that really was like an Asian hate thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if you if you got in a fight with somebody and someone says, "Oh, fuck you, you Buddha head," it's a fight. <laughs> you're gonna call, <laughs> you know, you're gonna call into whatever he is. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Asian hate is just like just happened to be Asian and you got called something. You know? <clears throat> yeah, that's what I, that's what I was saying on the show too because I think it's like. It's one thing, you know, because of the pandemic, people are blaming Asian people yeah. for bringing the pandemic over, calling it, you know, Kung flu, whatever, you know, I mean, to, to like mock, mock Asian people. I mean, you know, and it's another thing, just just accumulate all the video from around the country from security cameras of whenever an Asian person gets like something happens to them, you know, and, and then putting a narrative out there saying that there's an Asian wave of uh, hate sorry Asian hate wave coming on you know so that's why I was wondering I mean at the end of the day during this pandemic I don't know maybe people just don't fuck with people like OG Chino and me like you know what I mean in terms of like <laughs> well no it's like I said you know OG Chino is an amazing artist you yeah know? and if you do work in the streets and people know that they're not gonna fuck with you you know what I mean like especially someone like OG Chino um oh, well. I, when the day that he was at our event <laughs> man he had someone show up just to watch him paint. Well, okay. Man, things happen. And, and you know, and this guy, I'm sure that if anyone would have messed with OG Chino or come close to giving him a hard time, this guy would have stepped up and smacked him around and, and taken care of his man, OG Chino. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, let me, let me just wipe the piece real have. quick. Like if someone would have come up there, if, we had, if that event had gone, you know, a bit later and it gets dark and it gets a little crazy there, um, yeah, right now, James, for those of you listening, just put up the piece that uh, OG Chino did um, the day that we were there. Amazing, uh, amazing work with the he tells a little bit lettering about characters piece. in the background and just some amazing portrait work, freehand portrait work. Um, do, uh, what was, uh, was there anything in particular with this one? Uh, any message or uh, what, what, you know, do you want to tell us something about this piece? Yeah, I, I didn't really know. Like Eddie had just asked me to come paint like a couple of days before, I think, and and I didn't know. Like you know, Eddie, he doesn't give you details, too many details. So I didn't know. <laughs> what I was doing. And uh, I, and then I never really like uh, when it's like an event that's a quick painting thing, like a one day painting thing. Um, I don't like to plan anything just because I think I have. You know, I have more fun when I just go there and just kind of think of, oh. think of something. Amen to that, man. True artist right there. But, but, you know, I'm not like those, you know, like like those guys that think of like some really crazy weird shit that like, wow, how you think of that? You know, I'm pretty straight. <laughs> so I just usually do portraits and, and okay. some of that. So who are these portraits? I agree, of? man. Sometimes I see this, these guys work and I just go, you know what? Holy cow. How did you come up with that? You must have like it done on Illustrator first and have it printed uh, out and have it to reference oh, to or man. something because I, I just kind know. of I, I, well, you know, I usually do the Cholo characters, usually staring at you and, and, and with some kind of sad 
emotion to them. I don't know that that's like my thing to do. I, <laughs> I, sure, I, I sure. Try to make it no. <laughs> Can you and, decipher uh, some of this uh, text for us? Yeah. Uh, so when I, I first drew the guy uh, on the left, which is like a, an older Cholo guy. And then I, I, I thought of like myself, you know, like when I was young and hanging out with like older guys and how I used to feel all like badass and proud to be hanging out with like the older Cholo. So I, I thought of like a, putting a younger dude next to him almost like, you know, like he's like, you oh. know, like buddy or whatever. And and then in the back, I was thinking, trying to think of something to put in the background as far as lettering, but to say something. So I, I uh, it says, uh, we run these LA streets while our mothers bleed. Wow. Oh, oh, I, I see, see it now. now. I see it now. Thank you for. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing, man. Because I, like, I saw street, I saw like LA, I saw like a couple of other words. But like right when you say it, it's amazing how the, you know, it's like almost the letters yeah. appear and, and write themselves out, man. Yeah, also, man. The, the young kids, you know, the young kids uh, uh, that still have their mothers at home. Uh, and they're usually, you know, well, I, I came from like an immigrant family, you know, we, we migrated here and, and they never ex expected me to live that kind of, you know, lifestyle. So, and my mom, you know, worked the immigrant illegal jobs because she didn't have a, a permit to work. So she was working at sweat factory, I mean, sweatshops. And while I was running around the streets, you know, with, with the Cholo kids. And so it kind of reminded me of, of, of my own childhood and, and how, you know, and what a lot of mothers must be going through. You know what I mean? Yeah, you man. Know. you know, one thing one thing I want to point out to the audience is that you were talking about how it's like a older Cholo looking at you and then kind of like having a sad image face. And then if you look at the younger uh, Latino kids eyes, it's looking at the Cholo in kind of like a yeah. respect way, man, you know, and it's just like when you, totally. when, you when you pointed that out, man, I was like, damn, I see the emotions like coming through. And, uh, you know, and after your explanation of the decipher of the lettering in the back, man, it's just like, oh, man, dude, I love that, man. And it's just like, you know, it, and yeah. immediately it's just reminded me of, you know, recently you're talking about mothers being at home while the, uh, you know, the, the, the kids are out running the streets, man. It's just reminded me of Adam Toledo, man, you, you know, that 13 year old kid that uh, basically yeah. just got yeah. shot up by the cops, man. You know, um, I mean, this is kind of like one of those situations, right, OG Chino? Exactly. I'm saying like he's a, a a a young kid that was, you know, running around with the wrong crowd like we all do. <laughs> a lot of us do when we're 13. And yeah, you might join a gang or you might have a weapon on you or whatever. But you know, any 13 year old kid that hasn't killed anybody, you know, has a chance in life. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Being 13 is not who you're gonna be the rest of your life. That's not who you're gonna be when you're 18. You know, it's not gonna be, you know. So it's sad. hard to see it like that when you're that age, though, man. Yeah, you know, you know. You know and another thing, man, is just like people are talking about um, the gun violence and gun control right now. Like, and then you know about this particular case. Oh, he had a gun. <clears throat> he was yeah. running away from the cops because they heard gunshots. You know. But I'm just saying the real question to me is how the fuck is a 13-year-old kid gangbanging? You, you know what I mean? It's like this is how early it starts, guys. Eat. You know what I mean? This is how early it starts, man. 
and it, I remember in middle school, uh, that's when it starts. Once you get out of sixth grade and you integrate with all these other kids from different elementary schools, and uh, you know, you know, in one area, some guys are cholos. Some guys don't have parents. Some guys, you know, have a weird family situation at home that they live with twenty people. You know what I mean? And, I, had, I had access to shotguns basically when I was about 11, 12 years old. You know what yeah. I mean? When I when I moved from uh, one from Fort Walton Beach out to Destin, you know, our next door neighbor Florida. had a, a an arsenal of, of shotguns What's that uh, we get to go shoot. You know, and I'm ten. 11 years old. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I man. I easily snuck into that house, grabbed one of those guns, and, you know, gone to town. Yeah, man. And like I said, I think... But I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're like asking weird questions. Like we shouldn't be saying like, hey, we, I mean, gun control is definitely part of it, I think, you know, uh, yeah, but the thing is the, co the community not having resources for a 13 year old kid. It's sad how they don't want to dig deeper into why, you know what I mean? Like why, why is there gang banging and why doesn't it stop? You know what I'm saying? Like if the system hasn't changed, why would it stop you know what i'm saying like something has to change on that end for 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 it to change on this end also yeah man no that, that's i agree man i've og chino i just i've tried to make a point before where you know as ridiculous as it seems yeah that well you and you know this uh being in la and everything to have the two main political parties in our system one one's color being red and the other one being blue <laughs> i mean it's and, a and they're fighting to, to for control. What kind of example are yeah. we setting for these guys? You know, I mean, where the mm. fuck do you think they get this shit from? You know, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, at the same time, the media and, and pop culture, you know, everything is is, is the media. Yes, the media, because a lot of these guys do this stuff because they get famous on the media. Oh, you're and telling that's me how right they now? Get respect. That's how they get respect from their boys. How you many mass I mean? shootings like, has there you been? See me on the media? Yeah, man, I'm a killer, man. Exactly. I'm well, you know, because they put they put so much into the media. Meanwhile, they take away from education, right? They take away art programs, music programs, anything that allows uh, free thinking. They take away from the schools. So now kids don't have any free thinking anymore. They can't be creative at school. You know what I mean? Well, you can't if you don't have an art class. You know then what you just go and memorize numbers and memorize fake history and and that's it. <laughs> right? speaking now, okay. of which um have you had any uh any art classes any uh you know formal education degrees or anything like that in art no i never got a degree but i did uh you know i always took art classes through high school just because that was that you know i, I like to draw so it'll be my favorite class right but uh um uh thanks to an art teacher when I was in 12th grade, she was the one that I, I always credit her for like changing my life when I was kind of doing bad. Well, I was doing really bad. And um, she's the one that, that, you know, like said, hey, you have a future, you're talented. You could get, you know, uh, uh, you could be a video director. You could do, you know, she started like kind of like, wow, making me see that I got options. Like I could actually, yeah. you know, have, a, pro, a, a professional for what I do, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, she's the one that started sending me to like art programs. Like when I was in high school, 
she would send me to like Otis Parsons, which was like you know, by my yeah. heart. Very nice. And, uh, and I would be in like Saturday drawing classes with like older kids drawing a live model. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> was he naked? Uh, Just curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm saying you're a little dude, kid. I, you're like, I dude, I get a story. My my high school teacher, my high school teacher inspired me. Oh, there you go. He's rolling. Um, I'm gonna smoke with you. Hell yeah. And uh, you know, she. Well, my high school teacher was actually also. She was really beautiful. Uh, that kind of helped as well. Uh, her name was Ms. Brogdon, but she was the one that let me know that you know there's actually art schools out there. You know, yeah. and there's an art career and everything because I have partial dyslexia, so my reading comprehension and all this other shit. I was good at math. I would just get the numbers mixed up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what the hell I'm doing. So I knew I wasn't going to do well in college or whatever. And I was dreading, dreading, you know, having to figure out what kind of college I was going to go to. So, you know, to have this beautiful lady, um, you know, open so these doors for me, it was a wonderful thing, man. So, uh, Cheers to uh, high school art teachers, man. We Dude, love I, I, I'm glad you guys had some good ones because I, I had a guy that definitely didn't want to be there. <laughs> you know, you know, your art teacher, yeah. your high school art teacher. No, he was actually like he was also the like you know a counselor or something like it, like you know they cut the art teacher out and he was just like there was still art class when I was going okay but there was no art teacher okay like there was a stand-in you know but <laughs> but anyways I wanted to ask you about. So you said you uh, moved to the K-Town neighborhood, man. Now, people, if they don't know, K-Town basically is in between the, the buffer, in between uh, the hood and Beverly Hills, basically, right, <laughs> right OG Chino? I wouldn't even say it's a buffer. I think it's still kind of hood here. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay, wait, you're, you're, okay, yeah, you're right, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking yeah, about Hills the... Beverly <laughs> Yes, Beverly Hills adjacent. Now, uh, you, you know... Um, now, as people know, L.A. is very segregated, man. Like, you know, the African-American community lives in an area. The Koreans live in an area. Um, you, you know, and then we have San Gabriel Valley where all the other Asians live. And then, you know, so the thing about it, in 92, man, it's so crazy because I want you to tell a little bit about kind of like since we're on the topic of police brutality, Rodney King. Like, you know, when the neighborhood exploded, man, I mean, you know, what happened in K-Town, man? Because like. You know, people, it was just going crazy, right? People were looting stores. People were setting shit on fire, right? Tell us a little you bit about it. You said you were at work, right? Uh, I was at work when it happened. Uh, I think I might have avoided everything that first night. The second day, that's when I came to visit my friends and everybody back in the neighborhood. But, I mean, I saw everything. I was here. Um, what happened in Koreatown, I think, is just... The have-nots, you know, the have-nots had an opportunity to go get something and yeah. got looted and, you know, set on fire. Um, a lot of people just have had a, had a lot of pent-up, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. Towards something, but I'm not going to say that they were angry specifically towards Korean people. I, I that's I, I wanted to hear that actually from you too because I agree with you because where did the cops set up the barrier basically right at Bever right at Beverly Hills like allowing basically all those little areas in, in K Town to just be destroyed for like many nights you, you know and um, you know at that time I just remember like you know there's Korean uncles standing on top of the roofs protecting you know everything that they've worked for man and you're, I agree. It's you're yeah. right. It was the have-nots 
Yeah. I'm not going to, no, I'm talking specifically about Koreatown, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm sure in South Central and other parts of LA, people did have actual anger towards their neighborhood liquor store, mm. you know what I mean? Because of what had just, what had just happened months yeah. and all that, uh, which was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Little girl got killed over a freaking bottle of orange juice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there was, but I'm just saying, I, uh, um, uh, the riots was a very complex thing. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't blacks versus Koreans. And, and that's the summary. You know, yes. Every documentary. And that's what I don't like about it. You know what I'm saying? It's weird but, that there is this narrative pushed by the media a lot of times yeah. that it was like blacks versus Asians. That's why I love what you said. It was like the have nots. Like it was the riots. It was a very complex thing started off by this. And it wasn't blacks versus Koreans, you know? I'm in Koreatown. There was always black people living in Koreatown. Yeah. Uh, not as not that many, you know what I'm saying? Not so many that they had a a, a community or a, a or a part of Koreatown. Nothing, you know what I'm saying? So when I saw Koreatown being burnt down, I didn't see the few black people <laughs> that lived in Koreatown out looting. At least I didn't see them because the majority of people in Koreatown, Latino and and Korean, you know, I saw Koreans looting. Oh yeah, you know, tennis <laughs> shoes. You know what I'm saying, and and it it wasn't even a race thought, nothing. It was just like a free pair of shoes. I'm gonna run in there and get me a free pair of shoes. So I'm saying it's a, a lot of a lot of ignorance on the street, and where you know that ignorance is from not having. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think well, they I, just see an opportunity. You know, they see I an think, opportunity, yeah. and uh, you know they're like, you know, I got reasons to be pissed off. So uh, I'll go be pissed off and get me something. And, you know, in, in no way are we like saying like, hey, it's OK to loot or anything. We're just kind of like explaining the whole situation, the whole mind frame of what could have happened. It's, it's tonight. never OK to loot. It's OK to, to protest, you know, but to loot is to take and steal. And that, that's that's not, that's, you know, that's a completely different thing than, you know, protesting. You know, you go from doing something peaceful and legal to doing something illegal like that. So back then, the same like today, there's two two different people, you know, the protesters and the looters. They mm -hmm. have nothing to do with each other. It just happened to be at the same place because they... <laughs> well, the looters know that if there's going to be a protest, there's going to be opportunity. They're going to be at the same place, yeah. Yeah, so back then, that's what it was, man. The riots... Um, it was sad because for like right after the riots, so many Koreans left Korea. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? They closed down businesses. A lot of them started moving out of state and moving out of the city even, you know? Because mm. um, it must have been bad for them. You know, we didn't own anything here. We didn't take a loss. But you could imagine those families that came here just like us, uh, mm. just like my mother. Um, imagine if my mother would have, wow, like, like succeeded in in getting a business you know what i'm right, saying right exactly deal, you know after working at a sweatshop right and then it gets burnt down in a riot that has nothing to do with you yeah nothing to do with yeah you know yeah. and then, that's pretty damn frustrating that would be very frustrating you know yeah because you're generalized as just a korean business owner <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I love how you're putting that man and you know what I, i'm really happy that during the uh, rodney king time man you were at work and you avoided it and you said you were working at a, a cd warehouse at the time i was in west l.a so nothing okay 
Yeah, so you, but you were working at a CD warehouse or something. You said or a CD music shop? It was like a used CD store. Okay, yeah. so I, this is a nice segue to get into a little bit <laughs> wait, of a wait, DJ. Wait, wait, Before you get into that, All right. I just want to ask right quick. So did you come to L.A. Um, from Bogota? Yeah, from Bogota. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I, I see you. Okay, yeah. so. All right. Go ahead, James. No, I was just saying that uh, if you don't know, OG Chino is also a DJ, man, you know, and uh, I, I assume that maybe some of the inspiration of working inside a uh, record I was checking shop. out his, his, uh, his Instagram, and I'm like, well, this dude either likes to party uh, a lot or maybe he's a DJ or something like that. And then James is like, yeah, he does. And I'm like, ah. Okay. Well, the cool, the cool thing is at our little event that day, man, um, you know, uh, I, I arrived a little bit early with Teach to, to set up, you know, and I was getting my turntables ready and everything like that. And people were just like, hey, what is this guy going to play? You know what I mean? And then I was just like kind of throwing up some uh, like random hip hop when I, we were kind of like um, getting started. And then I just started chatting with Chino saying that I was like, oh, shit, you DJ, man. I was like, dude, you you graph and you DJ. Now you got to come on the podcast because that's what this show is basically about. You know, street art and DJ stories, man. And uh, <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about like, you know, how, when did your, what, okay. Tell me a little bit first about what was the first album that you ever bought, man? First album. Mm, mine's really, mine's really. That was a thing. You know what I mean? Like before these links and, and, yeah. you know, uh, I always joke. Oh, you can't even see anymore. No, <laughs> like when there was, no, actual records or or cassettes you know yeah um i always like records because my father collected records in Columbia. Oh, okay he has a lot of records uh so i used to always play records when i was a little kid nice uh, when i came here and i discovered the record shops and i realized like the 45s are so cheap right yeah then well, i'm dating myself but this is like <laughs> If you don't know, basically, there's two types of records. 90.45 cents, 49 cents. You know what I mean? Um, nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, a dollar, you know, like ridiculous prices for, for, like, for like a little 45. My first, so I started with those. I started buying 45s. The first one I bought was, is weird, but the Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> no, 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 that's awesome, man. Dude, that's, I love ELO. Okay, first of all, never be embarrassed about what you bought because it, it can't be more embarrassed. It can't be embarrassed than mine. My first is Ace of Base, okay? So I'm just saying, like, I grew up in a weird time, you know? I think what I mean? mine was Elvis Presley, so, you know. Before hip-hop existed and before I, I, I discovered funk music, you know, I, I was listening to the radio and I would just, wow, I like this song. Anything that sounded good, I would go by. And then I started realizing that I like black music, like black music was my thing, you know, like I started really liking like, like Ohio Players and Stevie Wonder and, you know, the 70s soul and funk groups. So I got really heavy into that. Before hip hop came out, I was already buying a lot of funk records. You nice, know? nice, nice. I don't remember what one my first record, full album would be. You know, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. It's probably a disco record. I think it was like a disco duck record. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I actually know disco uh, duck. Yes. It's so funny. Yeah, then, it's I like a I, comedy I, thing where like yeah, the no, voice. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, and then I think, you know, I bought that with my sisters, because my sisters used to, you know, they're older than me, so they used to like to dance to disco, and I remember buying that thing, you know, my sisters, like, oh, my sisters are going to dig this, because back on the back cover, it had all the hits, like, you know, all the Saturday Night Fever songs, all that stuff, but yeah. when I got home and played it, 
it was a duck version. I thought it was. A, <laughs> I thought it was a real compilation, you know, but but it had a duck voice, like a duck voice singing. Oh, all no. I wasn't happy with my first album. That was. That was <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm gonna pull this up actually, just so we could show the audience a little bit, a little bit. No, because honestly, disco was actually, you know, this is uh, disco was like, yeah. And there's a whole, you know. So check this out. Hold on, I'm gonna. It was like a series of. Yeah, let me just pull this up real quick. Um, just real quick, so we can play a second for the audience, because I don't think YouTube will pull us for this real quick. <laughs> Oh, but it's oh, okay. Now this is uh, this is not the disco duck version. Sorry about that. My bad. But it's actually a duck singing it, sounding like Donald Duck, kind of actually. Um, and yeah. many people say that this record, many people say that this record was actually the yeah, death of disco. You, you know what I mean? Because it became so commercialized that it was no longer a kind of like a kind of like a gay nightclub or a funky kind of yeah, thing. You, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you're right, because that was the, the, the disco sucks era. You know, it was buttons. Everybody on Hollywood Boulevard, like all the little stores used to sell buttons. I said, disco sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know, and no, the thing is, like, you know what? And then there was a DJ in Detroit, actually, like a rock DJ, uh, it's a radio station DJ that, that you know, they had the disco sucks, disco demolition, and they actually wanted to. Like, that started the whole disco sucks movement, right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so this guy, it was, it's crazy because actually, um, they 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 asked everybody to be um, bring in all their disco records so they can burn them actually okay but actually so everybody brought in these disco records but the, here's the thing it wasn't actually people weren't actually bringing in disco records they were just bringing in black records man like you know they would bring in marvin gay and they would so the whole thing was actually like a racist thing you, you, right right oh you you're not in your head no it's true it's true because they didn't know what disco was. You know, they couldn't differentiate. So anything that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, so you were you were already spinning records in the dis in, in that time, right? You're already playing records as a kid. Okay, so because your father had a uh, kind of like a record collecting tradition already, right? Collecting records like pretty early on. You know what I mean? Like '79, I started collecting. Oh shit! Okay, okay. That, at that time, records were the main, were the main, <laughs> like, a format, basically. Like records, you know, like, I, I had bought records before, you know, like, before that, but, like, that was, like, when I set up, when I started. Collecting, basically, for DJing and stuff like that, right? Not DJing. I had no, no idea what DJing. Oh, okay, okay. So when did that come out? Yeah, no, the DJing thing is when, when hip-hop, you know, like, when I learned about hip-hop and when hip-hop really started in L.A., that's when I started seeing you know, learning about the hip hop DJ. Before that, I knew that a DJ was a disco, a guy at the disco that played, that made people dance, you know, because we had a lot of disco TV shows on, uh, in the late seventies on TV. Soul Train. There used to be a song, uh, I think it was called Dance Fever or something like that. It was like a disco dance contest. And they had a DJ guy with turntables and he used to wear a record on his head. So I used to know what a DJ was. <laughs> I think I saw the same thing. I didn't really think, oh, I'm gonna, I want to be that guy, you know, like <laughs> until hip hop, like when hip hop DJ started playing here and stuff, I was like, wow, like scratching and all that stuff. Even though I never like got into that part, but I loved mixing. You know what I mean? Because yep. LA, 
LA, I think LA, that's what the style was here. That, that's what made LA different from New York. Like New York was about cutting records really fast and, and scratching over, over records. And in LA was making a, a, a five minute song 15 minutes long <laughs> they just kept blending it and stretching. you know you know what here's the thing here's the reason why this is my opinion basically you got to think about the medium in which people are listening to music in new york people are listening to music on their headphones basically so they want stuff when they're walking just to kind of like keep them going when they're walking people out here in la what are we doing we're cruising with the top down because the sun is shining man okay we want to get that vibe when we're driving you know what i mean the sun is setting you're outside on a Sunday, you know, you want to just have a nice little drive. You want something to cruise to, man. And that's exactly what OG Chino is saying, man. Like the blending of, you know, we create these mini mixes basically of like, you know, five to 10 songs, man. And then that's the perfect soundtrack for you to go out and drive with your girl, basically, right? You, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> So uh, I totally know what you mean, man. So like, t tell us a little bit about the first hip hop records you got into. And what, did you get into uh, graph first or did you get into the hip hop? I mean, the DJM first, because these are both coming from hip hop, right? Well, graffiti, I was doing like uh, when I was doing that like, gang graffiti, right? So graffiti what, to me wasn't really like a hip hop thing. It was more mm -hmm. like, yeah, like placasos, right? Like writing cholo writing on the wall. So I always did that. That was like a thing that I was really into more than other <laughs> little cholo kids. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I was the one that you know, like they they made me do it basically because I did it nicer. You know, <laughs> nicer than them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always in charge of putting everybody's names up on the wall and and stuff like that. But then, no, and then funk music and a little bit of hip hop stuff started. Wait, coming. what would you tag? What was your uh, what would you write? Always chino. Always, always Chino. Little, I think I used, I used to write Little Chino back then, you know, like, <laughs> uh, like L-I-L, like Little Chino. And uh, it was like when Grandmaster Flash and, you know, Fearless Four, those groups started coming out that we started listening to those records. But we went from like listening to funk and doing like cholo graffiti to listening to like those really old school hip hop records, you know, Sugar Hill Gang and all that stuff. Tell us a few of the hip hop records. Like, like I said, I was about to say Sugar Hill Gang, but what are some of the other ones that kind of got you into this new genre, man? Uh, one big one was the Fearless Four. They had a song called Problems of the World. Ah, okay. Hell uh, yeah. He talked about, you know, like, a, like social <laughs> problems at, at a time. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, because that came right after the message by Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. And um, so songs that were like, we really related to because, you know, we're hanging out. I mean, you know, you go from funk to hip hop, but not only just because it just makes sense, but because, you know, you're still in the same environment, you know, on the street, you know, hanging out. And we related to that. We were like, wow, this is what people hang out to in New York, you know, while we hang out to Knee Deep by Funkadelic over here. They're listening to, to this kind of stuff, but we liked it. And that's when we started seeing the graffiti, the New York graffiti, you know? I just and, pulled um, up real quick um, for, the, for the watching audience, man, um, the, hey. the video of... <laughs> <laughs> the video of the the problems of the world man and i love it because their outfits are so fresh man right 
black and red. You know, back then, believe it or not, you looked at them and you didn't really laugh at their outfits. <laughs> you didn't really laugh at the, you, you didn't really laugh at no, you didn't really laugh at the outfits. Like that was like the you know, like normal, you know. Yeah, of yeah. Of course, yes. They, you know time. why? You know, you know why though? It's because this em uh, evolved from the funk scene, man. And people in the funk yeah. scene, they really had like outlandish outfits. Like if you think about Parliament, you know what I mean? These guys are dressing up like uh, aliens. I mean, with China, you know, crazy stuff, man. Boosie Collins, you know, George Clinton, all no, those Star guys, Trek. man. So, uh, you, you know, like I said, I, I know what you mean by the, you didn't really laugh, dude. You know, all these guys got jerry curls now. It's just kind of like a, a funny uh, throwback, man. But that's cool, man. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, okay. So, yeah. so, so the DJ, and tell us a little bit more about, like, did you start, you know, uh, at home, at your friend's house? Like, who what was the first set of uh, Tech 12s, I'm assuming, that, uh, you, you know, you touched, man? Oh, uh, that was like. Twelves, I didn't get to later. I think I, you know, I started with like, you know, the the home stereo system that we had. You just pull the turntable away from it. We ha I had like a Fisher, and I forgot I got something else. They're, you know, not meant to be a DJ thing. Sure, sure. Uh, and then you know, a pyramid mixer. This was '86 when I got those. You know, and then I would just mess around at home. But I couldn't really mix or or do anything. You know, but I just kind of knew the concept. But who uh, really made me want to DJ, I would say, besides all the obvious LA hip hop pioneers like the Glove and, you know, Jammin' Gemini and Uncle Jam's Army and all these people that were on the radio and we used to go to their shows all the time. They made me want to DJ, but my friend Motivate, who went on to be the Black Eyed Peas DJ and producer later on, um, oh, we, you know, he was our neighborhood DJ. You know what I mean? Like in the early 80s. Um, his name wasn't Motivate back then. Uh, it was Moni Love. Yeah, it was Moni Love. Anyway, I remember it was 83. It was in 83 when he said, hey, Chino, you want me to make you a mixtape? And I was like, a mixtape? <laughs> I, I, I knew what mixtapes were because Dr. Dre, people like that were already selling them at the spot meets here. I, I didn't have one, but... For us, mixtapes were like mostly funk music, but he was the first one to say, hey, you want like a rap mixtape? And then I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then he goes, you want some scratching or some cutting in it? <laughs> and then I was, yeah, I want both of those things, you know? And uh, that's, uh, oh, there he goes, the guy in the red. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's a small one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Wow. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, man, uh, Motivated and I had dreams of getting the, the, the hip-hop music business from way back then. So he gave me a mixtape with all New York hip-hop music with scratching and all that stuff in it. And that's when I said, oh, man, I want to do like what he's doing, you know? It took me a while, but uh, and I'm still not as good as that guy is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he was one of the people that really made me want to DJ. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I already had a, a, a by the time uh, he was DJing, I already had a fat collection, you know. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, let me ask you, man. What you were collecting? Did you did you combine your father's records and your record collection together? No. No, my father's barely giving me his records now. You know. Stingy <laughs> <laughs> fucker. Now I like take some of his records, but no, back then, uh, um, no, it was uh it was 
just all uh i would skip lunch man i would skip lunch to like i would think of a record to buy after school man. i would skip lunch and buy that record i, I was that hooked on buying records it was, i wasn't like the normal kid like as far as like buying records you know i, I bought a lot of shit like well, <laughs> where were you where were you getting the money as a kid to to buy these usually well, I mean, like i said i would i would skip lunch and <laughs> You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's some dedication right there, man. Starving himself so he can buy music. But we didn't have money, you know. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he wasn't. No, know. I feel you. I actually, I actually, I thought you, I thought, I thought originally you meant that you uh, ditched schools as in skip lunch to uh, <laughs> to get the records. You know what I mean? Because actually, what I would do when I was a kid, when I was in high school, man, I literally would do that, like. We, we would have like my BS art class that my teacher didn't care uh, that I told you about earlier. So we would skip school at lunchtime and just leave and then just go to my friend's house and basically just listen to records, man. That's how much I personally like loved music too, man. You know, and I worked at Albertsons when, and I was like pushing cars, basically like all my money went into CDs basically, period. You, you know, <laughs> you know, so like I totally feel you on that. And uh, uh, like I was just addicted to music, man. And by the time like, I mean, like Napster came along and all this shit. I was just like, oh, crap. I have all these CDs now. I should have bought records, man. Like, because they would have been way more valuable than all these CDs I have. You know, you know what I mean? So, OG Chino, you grew up at the right time, man, because that was the main format. Now, did you get into tapes at all when tapes came out? Just curious. Yeah, I was always into tapes. I was making pause. I, I call, you know, I was making pause mixtapes that everybody talks about. Uh, in the hip hop world, right? Like, yeah, pause tapes. But I could say I used to make pause tapes before I even knew hip hop, you know, because <laughs> I used to take my Zap records and whatever intro they had at the beginning. Zap and Roger? I would pause, I would pause the cassette and then repeat it and repeat it, you know? So it's <laughs> sort of like making a pause tape, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And then sometimes, like, when I didn't have all the records that I wanted, you would just listen to listen to the radio and wait for you to come on. And you oh, would, my God. And you would pause it at a certain part of that song and wait for it to come on again on the radio. Oh, my God! <laughs> That's some dedication right there, <laughs> and man. Let it go right where you want. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I love that, man. I love that. And sometimes the DJ would start talking. You're like, God damn it, stop talking, motherfucker. Yeah, you know? What <laughs> dedication, man. I wasn't thinking about hip-hop. This is just, just thinking about, oh, I want to take this to the park. Cause that's when I was like gang banging and stuff. And I want to play these for the homies. Like I want to make all the homies trip out and go, Oh wow. You know, what the hell? How did you make, make you know, how did you do that? You know, because we're really into music, man. People gotta know gangbangers are really into music and art. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Very yes they are. Man. They like to leave the mark. <laughs> now, now let me ask you, man. Now, uh, wait, what wait, wait. let me get a question in here, fucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you were gangbanging, when you were doing the, the spraying and the gangbanging, um, did you ever have any run-ins with the cops? No. No. Um, That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think it wasn't even that risky back then. You know, when I think wow. back, back then, it's like when you hung out in the neighborhood and whatever neighborhood you were hanging out in, you had certain streets, certain alleys, parks, 
where he was just all you guys, you know what I'm saying? He was just everybody from the hood. Cops left it alone. Uh, you felt comfortable. That's why people, you know, we drew block letters, old English letters. We never felt rushed, not even worried about the cops too much. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, certain streets, certain streets yeah. But, but for the most part, for the most part, no. I'm nice. just saying good, it's not like, it's not like we're going, traveling around the city. You know what I mean? Like, at least- You're I not think. trying to go all city. Yeah. You're not trying to be the city bombing squad or, yeah. you know, yeah. hit up uh, nice walls or, you know, private businesses and do your own little decoration services. Full <laughs> of graffiti in the late 70s, early 80s. LA was covered in graffiti and it was all gang graffiti. It was all mm. gang. Now, let me ask you, man. I mean, you know, especially, you know, you use the word cholo very freely, man. I think it's awesome. You, you know what I mean? And I love it because you're, you're, you grew up basically in like a cholo gang, right? You know, and you're an Asian guy, man. So, I mean, like, you know, normally people, people don't know. I mean, cholo, we normally refer, whenever I think of the word cholo, I think of a bald Latino dude probably with a mustache, with a white beater, with plaid shorts, really high pulled up socks, and some Nike Cortez. Very specific. Okay, that, 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 that's, that's what I think. That's pretty damn specific. That's good explanation. You, you know what dude. I mean? Like, that's literally what I think about, man. So it's so crazy. I'm just saying, like, how, like tell me a little bit about being like a, kind of like a, I grew up in a very Latino neighborhood too, man, you know? And tell me a little bit about, like, how it is. Just like, obviously, you mentioned earlier, just, you know, People were poking a little bit of fun at you, but you know, were you made? Were, did you feel different all the time, or did you feel like kind of like one of the people, man? No, I always felt different. I always felt different, but 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 comfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and they made me feel different too, because they used to trip out on me. It's like, oh, chino habla español, like, oh, chino speaks English, and I'm like, oh, what? Tell him to say something, and I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go again, like, chino, say something. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. felt different, but always felt, you know, like in good company, always felt, you know, I always felt like I fit in at the same time. Did you feel like, um, you know, you had like kind of like older figures with these guys basically since? Uh, yeah, yeah. All this, I, I think since we, since we first started trying to be little cholos and stuff, like in eighth grade, we had old dudes that came around and, and asked, used to pick us up after school because one of our friends would know a cousin or know somebody from the neighborhood or whatever. But, um, you know, it was almost not like they were recruiting, but, but they do like embrace the, the young guys that, that want to get down, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Would come around and say, hey, what's up at your little school here, you know? And, and pick you up and that makes you feel big and you're in eighth grade and you got some old cholos coming to pick you guys up you know what i'm saying so yeah 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 no i mean honestly Go of power you know I, I think i just want i just wanted you to basically explain that side of it too because you know some people listen in a different country they may not understand that it's just like hey man when you think of gang stuff it's not always just negative things man sometimes these people are it's just the community leaders because there's a lack of community leaders inside this particular area you know so just wanted to kind of like yeah i mean it could be good and you know we you know did you know ours were not all good <laughs> you know that <laughs> like nobody's all, all good you know they would come uh with bags of weed like already bagged up and ask us to sell it for them and we're little kids you know we're little kids 
um i remember one time they were like oh yeah you guys got any problem with anybody or whatever here and we're in what ninth grade like and these are you know this is a guy that's probably 20 years old at the time you know offering to beat up whoever at the school you know and then we're like we thought of somebody we're like oh who, who do we not like here you know <laughs> and then one of our homegirls was having a problem with some dude so we're like yeah that guy and he beat up the kid you know what i mean you know you know the kid was pretty big though they were almost the same size but still <laughs> you know you don't you know you don't yeah, go yeah, yeah yeah no i mean I, honestly so now yeah. we're kinds of homeboys too you know that kind of like ah you know showed us those things and you know i of course i i wasn't like trying to be like those guys but yeah he wasn't always a community leader <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely definitely i mean you know here's the thing man um i think that it, it's just an experience now reflecting as a you know an older more mature person man you know we can really at least decipher like what was right about those situations what was like not cool about those situations but you know that's why i wanted to have you on the show man to kind of explain your background a little bit tell the audience a little bit about how you grew up man yeah you know what i mean so what do you what do you do today man tell us a little bit about i mean your art you know a little bit more man i mean like what 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 types of uh activities or you know events or things do you have coming up uh, I mean, you know, I'm busy with the, 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 the business, you know, so I don't really, um, yeah, I don't have really a lot of time to paint and stuff. I don't, you know, like if someone says, hey, come and paint, that's when I go and paint, just like, yeah. oh, you know, like at the event. Um, if, uh, if, if, if anyone's interested in having you, uh, you know, commissioning you to do a piece or something like that, what's yeah. the best way for them to reach you? Oh, you mean like if you, oh, uh, probably instagram or facebook awesome yeah. man yeah, I, don't have, I don't have any professional way to <laughs> that's good instagram is about as professional as you need to be a direct message on instagram i've done quite a few sales that way myself my man it uh, it works yeah man well man dude it's it's been you know what we only have an hour today but dude it's oh, been an awesome time yeah. to hanging out with you on the show man and uh, you know we'd love to have you we like hang we love to hang out with you in person sometime inside the studio too i mean things are opening back back up right so uh just get your back. just wondering me and teach restaurant man let me let me treat you guys some some dinner and drinks yeah oh dude that would be awesome man i'd love to have some drinks with you and a little smoke man hell yeah man <laughs> but dude Cheers, my man. you know it, it, it's such an awesome time hanging out with you today man happy 420 brother happy 420 to you and thank you for having me oh yeah man it's been an honor man can't wait to have you on again and meet up uh meet up soon yeah have some drinks some food and uh you know great guy man thanks for coming on man i really appreciate it all right man oh yeah man so so tell the audience uh what's your website and what's your instagram uh handle man so we can uh Instagram, uh, Instagram is OG underscore Chino, and uh, Facebook is OG Chino. Oh yeah, man! And you know, I, I know OG Chino. You got a bunch of stories that we didn't even start to cover on on, on this show, man. That's why we got to have you on again, man. All right. Happy guessing. Thanks, man. Hell yeah, man! All right, man. So for the audience, uh, follow us at PTTP Show. Leave us a review on iTunes, and. Uh, Thank you very much for hanging out with us today. Love you guys. Take care and peace.
Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.